Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I've got the privilege of of bringing a New Year's message and often um, when you get that text from Gideon, as I got about a week ago and he said, will you preach next Sunday for me and uh, I'm not going to be here and something stirs in me and I always think, yes, I can do that and then I think, goodness sake, what am I going to say? And he said, oh, I just want you to, you know, it's, it must be encouraging, you've got to build the, got to build the church up. Um, I, I think that, you know, community is being established this year and we, we want to talk about our authority and so I've got this little mandate of things that are going, but, but if you want to, just share what's on your heart. So I've sort of... <laughs> so we love you, Gideon, and thank you for the pressure. Um, but this morning, with those thoughts in mind, you know, I didn't want a New Year's message to, to simply be just another pep talk. You know, something to encourage us and, and help us to believe that we can fulfil those New Year's resolutions you know, that, that it's nothing more than, than the little team talk before the game or it's, uh, you know, hype to, to keep us alive for, for another week till we come back for something more to perhaps steer us along. But in saying that, I, I, I really went into prayer and said, Lord, what is it now that you're wanting to say to us as a people? What is it that you want to speak through me but first of all, to me for, for 2019. And I got two words. They were vision and revelation. And they sound like the same thing, but they're distinctly different. And this morning, I wanna take us on a journey of vision and revelation. I believe that God is wanting to take us deeper into a revelation of who He is. A deeper revelation of His love a deeper revelation in His Word. You see, in His Word, there are layers of revelation. And I think that uh, He's going to open Scriptures to us. We're gonna see the same things, but we're gonna see a greater depth in them. There's an awakening coming through His Word to His church. There's a greater depth of His wisdom gonna be revealed in these last days. There's a greater truth, there's a greater measure of His truth that we're gonna see and that we're gonna receive and it's gonna be foundational for the vision that He gives us. Because everything that He gives us in a vision must be based upon a revelation from His Word. So the two things this morning, revelation and vision, and the character, the character that that I thought of of revelation and vision had to be Paul. It had to be Paul. And why do I say that? Because of his journey on the Damascus Road. We know the story well, but I'm gonna read the Scripture shortly. We know the story really well. So I wanted us to, to start this year with the start of Paul's ministry, but to also start with a little overview of the final words of Jesus. See, that Jesus gives a final exhortation to the church or to His disciples from John 15 to John 17. Take the time to read those chapters. Take the time to, to ask God, what are you saying to me in these chapters of John 15 to 17? 
And what he does in those chapters is he re-emphasises everything of his ministry. He emphasises his love for us. He emphasises that he will be with us even in persecution. In fact, he promises persecution. He, t- he, he calls us in those verses. He calls us to the work of the ministry in John 15 to 17. And he encourages us to be faithful and strong, but above all, he encourages us in love. He emphasises his love for us. He emphasises his love in us. In fact, he, he says that, that the greatest desire of his heart would be that we would know Him as the Father knows Him. That we would know the Father as He knows the Father. That we would have such a vision and such a revelation of the love and the depth and the goodness. And wasn't it amazing in the worship this morning of those songs that were calling us, I believe, deep unto deep. The worship songs, there was no, nothing was pre-cooked between the message and the worship. But as we were worshiping this morning, I, I got a real sense that, uh, Marcus, you were reading my notes. That you knew that this message was amazing grace. That you knew that this message was a revelation of His love. That you knew that this message was standing sure on a revelation and a vision of His goodness and His glory. Because if anything's gonna sustain us in our walk, It's that vision. So Paul is on the Damascus road and he's struck blind. And we're gonna read the scripture together. Well, I'll read it. (laughs) I need these. I need these. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if they found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes opened, he saw no one but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Lord. 
Notice in a vision, Ananias is spoken to by the Lord and he says, here I am. His heart is quick to obey. But then he gets the message. Ananias, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But we know as the story goes on that Ananias goes. He goes to Saul. But I wanna pick it up. I wanna pick the story up. He's walking on the road to Damascus. He has such a vision of what he's gonna do. He is so intent on what he's going to do. He's gonna bind the Christians and bring them back. What does he find on the road? He's struck blind. He's blinded to the things of this world that he might see the things of heaven. And it says he's struck blind for three days. So for three days, he sees nothing. But I believe the Lord has shown me what he saw in those three days. He saw amazing grace. Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is comfort for the church. This is comfort for the church. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? See, Jesus is identifying with the persecution of the bride of Christ. And John, he says, I, I would that they know what it is, that I am in them and they are in me. The very heartbeat of heaven feels the pain we're going through. The very heartbeat of heaven understands. Jesus understands us so intimately. And he's so concerned why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? The love of Jesus for the bride of Christ. Wow. We need a revelation of that love. We need a revelation of that love he has for us. But then he goes on and he says, why do you persecute me? You kick against the goads. Who knows what goads are? There's one scholar. Give that man a chocolate. Oh, two. There's another one who knows what goads are. Oh, another. Three. Oh, no. So you just want chocolate. <laughs> you know, sometimes in Scripture, we read over things because they, they don't seem to be the point. But I believe in this message, it's the very point. So I went to the, the Passion Translation because I thought, well, I'm in the New King James. If anyone is gonna bring revelation to what goads are, it's gonna be my man, Brian Simmons. I thought, Brian, he's, he's shown me so much of the love of the bride and the love of the father and, and what it is to become uh, the goat woman, becoming a Shulamite bride. I thought, Brian's got it. 
He's got it nailed. And I went to the Passion Translation. You know what? He misses the line out. (laughs) Brian, come on. But if Brian hasn't got it, Google has. (laughs) So I went to Google to find out what goads were. Not goads are, they're actually points or on the end of a stick that a farmer would carry, the master would carry, and he would just give the oxen a little prod just to show them the way. Come a wee, a wee. Keep going, boy. Wow. What happens when the oxen kicks against the goad? He actually inflicts the pain upon himself. Why do you, Paul, kick against the goad? What amazing love we see in this. The heart of Jesus not only identifies with those who have been persecuted, but it's identifying with he who is persecuting them. Paul, why? Why do you kick, or Saul, why do you kick against the goad? Why are you inflicting this pain upon yourself? You ox. That's literally what Jesus is calling him. He says, you ox. Paul, why do you kick against the goat? Paul knew. It was a common term back in the day to kick it. He knew what it meant. So now now think about Paul's life and who he is and the mission and the commission that he's got. Paul is born a Jew. So he's born as one of God's people. He's a Roman citizen. So that means he's got privilege in the society. So not only has he got the right birth, he's got the right status. I mean, he's, he's in, he's a Roman citizen. That means he's, got, he's probably got, he's got property, he's got wealth, he's got influence. Then it says he's a Greek scholar. So now it's, not only is he, wise in the ways of the world. And he's high and mighty in the ways of the world. And he's got the right birth name. It says he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He is the righteousness of man personified. He's got the law marked out in his life. He is full of himself. He is the spiritual leadership of the day. And more than that, he's now got the authority of the leaders to exercise persecution against the bride of Christ. And Jesus says, you're an ox. You're an ox, Paul. Well, you know, it's just as big an insult to the ox as it is to Paul. Why do I say that? See, the ox yoked with its head bowed, serving the farmer, plowing a field that he would never reap the food from, was the picture of servanthood. Paul was the picture of everything that was in the world. Who was the servant king? Jesus. Paul's now blinded 
blinded by the light of heaven. But I believe he gets a revelation of who he is. And that's why in the chapters and the letters later on, he says, I count everything but dung for what it is to know the love and the grace of God. Everything that the world had to offer, he was. He was probably so stuck up as why he was single. I kind of got that out of it. I mean, imagine trying to marry that, ladies. But he sees himself in true light and blindness. When the light of heaven comes upon him, he sees himself in true light. But he hears the heart of heaven. He says, Paul, why are you doing this to yourself? He doesn't get the scolding from Jesus. He sees amazing grace. Ananias, Ananias is asked to go to the house. Do you know what the name Ananias? I've learned not to skip over things. I look at things that are, are really obvious, but now Ananias actually means the Lord's grace or favor. He now has to live up to his name. You see, the Lord touched Paul in the vision. Paul then goes and touches the world, but he can't reach the world until Ananias touches him. See how it works? Paul has a revelation of love. And Ananias gets a vision and a call. He obeys that call and he releases Paul. It says that the scales fell from his eyes and the weeping of Paul. He didn't eat or drink for three days and now he's weeping and the scales are coming off his eyes. And the words of Ananias, who was once terrified of this man, says, Paul, my brother. How comforting those words to Paul. Now Paul, in three days, shares his first message in the synagogue. I believe that his first message in the synagogue was a testimony of his experience on the Damascus Road. You see, until each one of us has a Damascus Road experience, we will never fulfill the commission and the call that is on our lives. See, on the Damascus Road experience, Paul has a revelation of Jesus. He hears his voice. Someone testified this morning that I, I've gone through my internship and at the end of my internship, I am so happy because I identify his voice. I identify his voice over every other voice. Paul sees when he's blind who he really is. I believe that the three days are significant. It's the same time that Jesus was in the grave. Paul was blind without food or water and he can't see. I don't think you get closer to death than that. If you're blind and you're not eating and you're not drinking, I think you're on death's door. But in the dying to self, he rises up 
in the resurrection power of the one who's seated in glory. You see, if we want to go the distance like Paul went, if my message to you this morning for 2019 is the Damascus Road revelation, it needs a revelation of who we are not, that our status in this world is of no consequence unless He has promoted us, that who we are is irrelevant, but whose we are is so important. You see, Paul fell on his knees. That which he was striving for, and he was striving, you have to believe, he had to be a man who was striving for excellence. That which he was striving for, he now receives in surrender. Wow. That which he strives for, he now receives in surrender. There's resurrection power in surrender. You know, Paul becomes a servant, a servant heart after the king of all servants. Have you noticed how many times Jesus teaches leadership training in the New Testament? None. None. He teaches servant heart training because the heart of a true servant is a leader. Paul gets this revelation. He gets this revelation of love. He gets this revelation of amazing grace. And now he is no longer driven, but he's led. Church, we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be led in the revelation of the word of God. We need to see the things that he wants to unfold to us in this hour. I'll give you an, an understanding of revelation. Is that, remember, I was talking with Rachel when we were on a holiday about times that we used to go to the Polaris River. We used to holiday in the sounds and we would go to the Polaris River and it's a beautiful deep river I've jumped off the bridge, I don't recommend it. But it's a beautiful deep river. And from the edge, standing on the rocks, you can actually see all the way to the bottom in the deep pools. And then there's massive rapids. You know, I think sometimes, I thought about that river and the, and the understanding of Revelation. And sometimes we're fascinated by the rapids. And we think that where all the activity is and where all the noise is and where all the, the fun is and, and the, the, is where we need to be. But revelation is deep crying unto deep. See, I went into the river with my son, Joshua, and we swam right down to the bottom. I'm possibly a little buoyant for that now, I don't know. I'd, 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 do, I'd, I'd go hard to get there again. But you know what? We saw the, from the top you could see how the, the, the grey rock wall met the shingle on the bottom and you could see the water rippling. But that wasn't the case. At the bottom of the wall was a little ledge that tucked in where the stones had washed away. And under there sat the biggest trout I've ever seen. <laughs> See, he's calling us deep. He's calling us to the deep, 
to see things that we've never seen, to see things about ourselves that we've never seen, to see things about him that we've never seen. What was it that sustained Paul in hardship? I believe it was his revelation on the Damascus Road. See, Paul never boasted of his success in ministry. In fact, he said, I'm the least amongst you. If we had a CV like his, wouldn't we have a bookstall? I, I believe we need to celebrate the goodness of God. You know, the thing that I liked the way you honoured this morning was you honoured the gift on the person and not the person. Wow, church, that's a revelation. We've got to stop putting people on pedestals and honouring the person and we've got to start to recognise the gift on a person's life and give honour and glory to him and him alone. Paul wanted to bring honour to the King of Kings and to the King of Glory because he had a revelation of that love and of that glory and of that resurrection power. He turned the world upside down. The revelation that Paul got started a revival within him and brought reformation to the cities and the towns around him. Paul never measured his success by the number of salvations, the amount of healings, the number of miracles. He measured his success on the presence of God. He measured his success on the glory that the Father was receiving because the Son was manifest in the life of Paul. If you wanna go the distance, if you wanna walk this walk and run this race and fight this fight in 2019, we need to go to the Damascus Road. We need to get on our knees and say, Lord, if there's anything in me that was in Paul, if it's my birthright that makes me proud, if it's my name that makes me proud, Paul's name was Saul. Jesus didn't change his name. He changed it himself. You see, Saul in the Jewish language was someone of power and authority. And everybody knew that name, Saul of Tarsus. Everybody knew his name. And he says, I want to be called Paul. You know what Paul means? Little, small. That he might be great and tall. So he had a revelation that carried him through hardship. He had a revelation that sustained him in shipwreck. He had a revelation that caused him to praise in the prison. I liked what you said this morning, you know, that, that thanksgiving is a declaration of what he's doing and we give him thanks for that. And our praise is about him, but our worship is a sacrifice. Paul's sacrifice he considered pure joy to suffer for Jesus. What a message for young people this morning. It's very easy for us to give you a hyped up message, to whip up enthusiasm, to speak and appeal to your emotion. And it will last for a while. But you'll burn out you'll burn out. Deep cries unto deep. I wanna tell you that the Lord is as interested in your journey as he is in your destination. 
The journey is the process of refining. And there's pain in the journey, but that's, that pain is necessary. That dying to self is necessary, that he might be glorified. How will we praise him in disappointment? How will we praise him in trial? Is an unanswered prayer a lack of faith? See, these questions will come. Is missing a job promotion? Lack of favor? Is losing a loved one a victory for the enemy? I count everything loss, but what it is to know him and him glorified. See, when we know the love of the Father and the life of Jesus, when that revelation comes to us and deep and deep and deep into who we are, that he so consumes us with that love, that he so fills us with that revelation, that even in those circumstances, he will be glorified. So we've been praying for a brother, for Phil, and we've been believing that his cancer's gonna be healed. And there's been hope on the horizon week after month after week after month. And the news today is things aren't looking good. Does it mean that we have a lack of faith? Where's the love of the Father in this? I remember when my mum died. She died of cancer. And we prayed. We believed that she would be healed. Where was God in that? He was there. I ask myself now, could it be that when I watched mum die, that I got the greatest revelation of love that my father carried that I never would have seen had mum have lived? He cherished her, he loved her, he served her in a way that made me honour him today above anything else that could have been. You see, the pain that we feel and the pain that we suffer now is a time to give thanks because we won't have that opportunity on the other side. Paul knew pain, Paul knew suffering. Jesus says, why kick against the goad? See, it's the deep, deep cry of God to take us deep into his love so that when pain comes our way, we are strong to stand and we will tip this world on its head because we will shine in the love and the glory of him even when the circumstances would say that we have lost the game. When Paul was shipwrecked, when he was beaten, when he was thrown into prison, when his name was maligned, he gave praise and thanks because his revelation came on the Damascus road. Revival came into his life. And because of that revival, reformation swept the known world. He's calling us, deep cries under deep. 
See, Paul's heart was tenderized in that moment on the Damascus Road to receive a love that would change the face of history. The man who once persecuted the church gets to write 80% of the New Testament. I don't know, but a good chunk of it, doesn't he? The word grace is found 125 times in the New Testament. Paul writes about grace 120 times. Amazing grace sustained him. Amazing grace meant the revelation turned into revival, which brought reformation. See, there's a call on us to be a community of faith. Jesus laid a mandate in John 15 to 17 when he said, the world shall know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. We need a revelation of that love. We need to know him. We need to know him. Intimacy will always take a higher priority to productivity. Look at Mary and Martha. Mary sat at his feet in the intimacy of being one with him. Sitting at his feet, interesting place. She knew what it was to sit at the feet of the one she would serve. Paul became a bond servant, it says. We need to take a different view of what it is to be a servant to understand that our kingship comes through our servanthood. See, a servant is often looked upon as somebody with no rights. When Paul, when Paul became a bond servant, he recognized that his servanthood came from mutual love. He found love in the one he hated. I often wondered how we could hate our en- love our enemies. Shows us everything, doesn't he? Paul, once an enemy of God, becomes the greatest voice in the New Testament of love and grace. Will we walk the Damascus Road together? Will we fall on our knees together? Will we rise together? Will we journey together in the pain and the victory? Because when we do, we will have such a revival that will bring a reformation. It's great. A hundred and however many people have come to faith this year in this house. It's wonderful. But I believe the measure of the effectiveness of this house and the houses in this city will be when the pornography industry is bankrupt. When abortion no longer claims the most lives, more than cancer. When drug addictions no longer plague our cities. When suicide becomes a distant memory. Could it be, could it be that he's giving us a vision this morning of what it means to be great in 2019?
Could it be that he's giving you a vision this morning of what it means to be on our knees on a Damascus road? That everything that I am in the eyes of this world counts for nothing. But everything that is done in the eyes of heaven counts for it all. See, when my dad looked after mum, in the hours of the night when no one saw him, could it be that they were the greatest moments of his life recorded in heaven? See, it's the things that we do that are not seen. It's the things that we do for no recognition. It's the things that we do that don't make us great, that confound this world. And on that day when he comes and he says, oh, you did this in my name. You did that in my name. And we'll say, really? Really? Was that me? True humility will release the power of heaven to do what the power of man and the strength of this world cannot achieve. Can we pray this morning for a revelation of his love? That revival will start to burn in the innermost sanctuary of who we are. That we will run the race and we'll walk this journey together with the call that is upon us individually and corporately to see the glory of his name over our lives, our families and our city, over this nation. And even in the face of death, we will rejoice because death, where is your sting? Where is your sting? When we've seen a revelation of the King of glory. Can we pray this morning?